Hello, and welcome to the Laverne Church of Christ podcast, and thank you for joining us. You can find us at 244 Old Nashville Highway, Laverne, Tennessee, 37086. We hope that any time you are in the area, you will stop by and join us for worship. Our Sunday morning worship is at 9 a.m., with Bible classes following. Our Sunday evening worship is at 6 p.m., and we also have a Bible study on Wednesday at 7 p.m. It's great to be with uh, Laverne and Sand Hill for this unity service. When I first started preaching at Jefferson Pike, we had a unity service not long after that. And I was really excited about that and continue to be excited. And then, of course, since then, our son has married a beautiful black lady there in Texas. And we've got two granddaughters out there. We're hoping they'll move here to Tennessee. And so... Even more now, unity service means even more to me. But it always has. It always has. Because uh, I've been involved in mission work in Russia and Thailand, but then in Africa and in Mexico. And my favorite are the ones I've been involved with the longest are in Africa. And, And so the world is a huge place. But we've got so many souls, so many souls of all different races, but we're all one blood. And Jesus died. We talked this morning. Jesus tasted of death for every man, Hebrews 2 and verse 9. And a lot of times people forget that. And so these unity services mean so much to me. On the way out, I'd like for you to pick up uh, three of my tracks, my dear friend tracks, they're on uh, almost the last pew on the way out. And I believe very strongly in the fact that we need to be sharing the gospel more with those around us. And the easiest way you can do it is with truth tracks, tr- tracks that have truth in them. Uh, you're a minister, Josh has probably written some tracts. Albert's probably written some tracts. You may have others that have written tracts. You need to be reproducing these. Make these available. You might want to write one yourself. Write a track. Introduce a person to the gospel. Get them to run it off here at the church or wherever you are. And then, when somebody hands you a receipt, you've got something to hand them. You can carry them in your cars, your trucks, your vehicles, whatever you drive. Carry them with you. When somebody gives you a receipt, you give them something. You give them a truth track, a gospel track, something that will help them go to heaven someday. And so if you don't have one already, start writing one. Josh or or Albert will help you, and y'all can type it up and get it printed, and you can hand it to people from day to day. And you'll be doing the Lord's work. The first one is dear friend, number one. And on the front of it, I have Bible verses, Bible topics. I changed it just a little. This was John Hurt's. But I changed it just a little bit. And so I printed off. And I hand it to them. And I say, this is to put in your Bible. I want something they'll hold on to and not throw it away. And so you can take these. And if you want to reproduce them again, you can. But uh, 
That way they'll hold on to it. And then on the inside is dear, dear friend number one. I, I teach them how to be saved. They need to know how to be saved. And then I mentioned at the last, if you want a, the second one on identifying the church, let me know. So that opens the door for dear friend number two. And then dear friend number three is that we are commanded by God to warn people about heaven and hell, especially hell. We're commanded to warn people. That's what I want to talk to you about for just a minute. Dear friend number three, and you'll find it on, on the way out, and I'm going to embellish it just a little bit. But I ask them, I hope you've gained from dear friend one and dear friend two, but dear friend three is also important, extremely important, on the subject of admonition, caution, warning. And the importance of warning people of danger is common in ordinary life. For example, number one, the laws that force tobacco companies to put a warning on their labels. Have you looked at your cigarettes lately? Hopefully you don't. But if you happen to find one somewhere, you'll see there's a warning on that. That's very important, right? There are certain foods and drinks that we like. And a lot of times we eat a little too much, maybe eat the wrong things. And we enjoyed that meal Brethren and ladies, oh, you did so good. That was delicious. We need to do that every Sunday. <laughs> every Sunday. But, you know, I don't pay a whole lot of attention to the expiration dates. You might. But if there's a re food recall, I might pay a little more attention to that. But, you know, these warnings, they're commanded to do these things. Why? To protect people. Then if you go to uh, your medicines, what about those? You all have all sorts of side effects. Right. And, and if, if, you tr if you look at them, you probably won't take your medicine. So you have to trust your doctor on that. That's usually the best on that. What about the toys? Electronic devices and all sorts of things. They oftentimes have a warning, don't they? Because they might be used by the wrong age person, and they may die over it. And that company may be sued over it, Right? And so they have to put those warnings on there. And you that have grandchildren like myself and my wife, you know, I'm concerned about that, right? And with my children and now my grandchildren. And so these warnings are very important. Why does everyone realize that these warnings are necessary? In fact, they are mandated. The government says you've got to do it. But when it comes to spiritual things, they don't want you to do it. You try to warn a person, try to teach a person, try to lead them to Christ, and, oh, you're my judge. I don't want you to judge me, and this and that and the other. Why? Something that's worth all the world to them, more important than their food or the medicines or any of this other stuff. Well, we still got to warn them regardless. We must warn them. The truth of the matter is God commands us to share the gospel to the whole world, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. And that includes all of us here today. Every man, every woman, every child. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, not just a few nations, but every nation. And a lot of times we don't do that like we should. We are the Lord's ears and eyes and hands and feet. 
We're his body today, right? He's the head, we're the body. We've got to get the job done if it's going to get done. He came himself and he gave his whole life for us that we might give our life back to him and fulfill his commission. And oftentimes we fail. We want to hear the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And if we're not faithful, we'll hear the opposite. Depart from me, you cursed, and everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. And so we must warn, this is really not an option. Uh, it's not an option at all. We must warn people. We must share the gospel. We must reach out. It's not just for the preacher to do. It's not just for the elders to do. It's not just for this person or that person. We must all be involved. The main text of my lesson really is from Ezekiel. Ezekiel, out of the 13 places in the Bible where the word warn is or warning, nine of them are found in Ezekiel. For example, Ezekiel chapter 3 and then Ezekiel chapter 33. Ezekiel chapter 3. Notice verse 17. What it says, Son of man, I have made thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore hear the word at my mouth. Give them warning from me. When I say to the wicked, Thou shalt surely die, thou givest him not warning, nor speakest to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life. The same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thine hand. Thine hand. Yet if thou warn the wicked, and he turn not from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. We're concerned about our souls, aren't we? Again, when a righteous man doth turn from his righteousness and commit iniquity, and I lay a stumbling block before him, he shall die, because thou hast not given him warning, he shall die in his sin. And his righteousness which he hath done shall not be remembered, but his blood will I require at thine hand. Nevertheless, if thou warn the righteous man that the righteous sin not, and he doth not sin, he shall surely live, because he is warned. Also thou hast delivered thy soul. And so both those outside the church need to be warned especially, and those within the church often need to be warned as well. And we have to do it. We have to do it. You could go to Ezekiel 33, and we won't take the time to do that. Read verses 2 through about 9 and verse 10. But Ezekiel was a watchman, and we are watchmen today. Well, that's why we have it in the Bible. You know what a watchman does. He stands up on the tower, and he watches for the enemy. And he warns the people the enemy's coming. What if he doesn't do it? What if he goes to sleep? Then their blood, you know, he, he's responsible. Their blood's on his head. But if he lets them know, it's up to them to get away from the danger. And so we all are watchmen and to be warning. And not just about, we can start with heaven, but we've got to talk about hell sometimes. We need to talk about, you know, the goodness and the severity of God, right? Love and justice met at the cross, didn't it? 
God is perfect in love, but he's also perfect in justice. And that means there's got to be a hell as well as heaven. I talked this morning about that and how we have a lot of wicked people that are very violent, and it's been like that through history. There needs to be a hell for those folks. They deserve that, and we deserve it too if we stay away from the Lord after all he's done for us. If we don't take advantage of his blood, but we must warn. And in my little track, dear friend, number three, I've got the different things we're to warn them about. One is that sin condemns us and separates us from God and the verses to go along with it. And the blood of Jesus is the power that can remove our sins and the verses to go with that. And we must believe and, of course, and we must repent and we must confess and the verses with that and we must be immersed and then we must be faithful to the Lord's church and then we must warn others. Warn others. We've got to do it. Or we'll be held responsible. And we forget that. And how do you do it? Do you just put a sign out front? No. We've got to talk to people from day to day. And one of the easiest ways is a track, but you can do it in other ways. But we've got to do it. My time's about up, I guess. Let me tell you this story. And uh, my little part's done. When I was in, at Marshall Bible School, a Christian school, I was in high school at the time, of maybe junior high. And the elementary school was close to the bus garage, and the bus garage was being broken into, and the, the tools were being stolen. And so my neighbor, his father was a principal. My father was a teacher there at the school, Marshall Bible School, and so my friend and I volunteered to be watchmen. We would stay in the uh, elementary library. We would look out the window, and if we saw someone breaking into the bus garage, we would call the police. They'd be caught wet, red-handed. Well, we decided, my friend and I, would take turns. You know, we started getting a little sleepy and that kind of thing. The excitement got, you know, we got over that excitement. He took the first shift and I went to sleep. And then he said that he woke me up and gave the shift to me. But you know what happened? We both went to sleep, we were asleep, and the thieves came. Sure enough, they came. We woke up the next morning. The windows were broken. They'd already come and gone. We failed. If it was a volunteer job, if it wasn't volunteer, we'd been fired. On the spot. We failed to do what we were supposed to do. We were watchmen and we failed. We went to sleep. Well, brethren and friends, it's not a funny thing on the last day. It won't be funny when we've gone to sleep and the Lord says, depart from me. You cursed into everlasting fire. We've got to warn. Find a way to do it. 
The way I've suggested is fine, but you may have a different way, and that's great. But we've got to be watchmen. We're commanded to be that way. And it's so important. We've got the gospel. We can't keep it to ourselves. Thank you again for inviting us to come. It's great to be with uh, Laverne and Sand Hill for this unity service. When I first started preaching at Jefferson Pike, we had a unity service not long after that. And I was really excited about that and continue to be excited. And then, of course, since then, our son has married a beautiful black lady there in Texas. And we've got two granddaughters out there. We're hoping they'll move here to Tennessee. And so even more now, unity service means even more to me. But it always has. It always has. Because uh, I've been involved in mission work in Russia and Thailand, but then in Africa and in Mexico. And my favorite, or the ones I've been involved with the longest, are in Africa. And, and so the world is a huge place. But we've got so many souls. So many souls of all different races, but we're all one blood. And Jesus died. We talked this morning. Jesus tasted of death for every man. Hebrews 2 and verse 9. And a lot of times people forget that. And so these unity services mean so much to me. On the way out, I'd like for you to pick up uh, three of my tracks, my dear friend tracks. They're on uh, almost the last pew on the way out. And I believe very strongly in the fact that we need to be sharing the gospel more with those around us. And the easiest way you can do it is with truth tracks, tr tracks that have truth in them. Uh, you're a minister. Josh has probably written some tracks. Albert's probably written some tracks. You may have others that have written tracks. You need to be repro reproducing these. Make these available. You might want to write one yourself. Write a track. Introduce a person to the gospel. Get them to run it off here at the church or wherever you are. And then when somebody hands you a receipt, you've got something to hand them. You can carry them in your cars, your trucks, your vehicles, whatever you drive. Carry them with you. When somebody gives you a receipt, you give them something. You give them a truth track, a gospel track, something that will help them go to heaven someday. And so if you don't have one already, start writing one. Josh or, or Albert will help you, and y'all can type it up and get it printed, and you can hand it to people from time, day to day, and you'll be doing the Lord's work. Amen. The first one is Dear Friend, number one, and on the front of it I have Bible verses, Bible topics. I changed it just a little. This was John Hurt's. But I changed it just a little bit, and so I print it off, and I hand it to them, and I say, this is to put in your Bible. I want something they'll hold on to and not throw it away. And so you can take these, and if you want to reproduce them again, you can. But uh, that way they'll hold on to it. And then on the inside is dear, dear friend number one. 
I, I teach them how to be saved. They need to know how to be saved. And then I mention at the last, if you want a, the second one on identifying the church, let me know. So that opens the door for dear friend number two. And then dear friend number three is that we are commanded by God to warn people about heaven and hell, especially hell. We're commanded to warn people. That's what I want to talk to you about for just a minute. Dear friend number three, and you'll find it on, on the way out, and I'm going to embellish it just a little bit. But I ask them, I hope you've gained from dear friend one and dear friend two, but dear friend three is also important, extremely important, on the subject of admonition, caution, warning. And the importance of warning people of danger is common in ordinary life. For example, number one, the laws that force tobacco companies to put a warning on their labels. Have you looked at your cigarettes lately? Hopefully you don't. But if you happen to find one somewhere, you'll see there's a warning on that. That's very important, right? There are certain foods and drinks that we like. And a lot of times we eat a little too much, maybe eat the wrong things. And we enjoyed that meal, brethren and ladies. Oh, you did so good. That was delicious. We need to do that every Sunday. <laughs> every Sunday. But you know, I don't pay a whole lot of attention to the expiration dates. You might. But if there's a food recall, I might pay a little more attention to that. But, you know, these warnings, they're commanded to do these things. Why? To protect people. Then if you go to uh, your medicines, what about those? You all have all sorts of side effects. And, and if, if, you tr if you look at them, you probably won't take your medicine. So you have to trust your doctor on that. That's usually the best on that. What about the toys, electronic devices, and all sorts of things? They oftentimes have a warning, don't they? Because they might be used by the wrong aged person, and they may die over it. And that company may be sued over it, right? And so they have to put those warnings on there. And you that have grandchildren like myself and my wife, you know, I'm concerned about that, right? And with my children and now my grandchildren. And so these warnings are very important. Why does everyone realize that these warnings are necessary? In fact, they are mandated. The government says you've got to do it. But when it comes to spiritual things, they don't want you to do it. You try to warn a person, try to teach a person, try to lead them to Christ. And, oh, you're my judge. I don't want you to judge me. And this and that and the other. Why? Something that's worth all the world to them. More important than their food or the medicines or any of this other stuff. Well, we still got to warn them regardless. We must warn them. The truth of the matter is God commands us to share the gospel to the whole world. Go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. And that includes all of us here today. Every man, every woman, every child. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, not just a few nations, but every nation. And a lot of times we don't do that like we should. We are the Lord's ears and eyes and hands and feet. We're his body today, right? He's the head, we're the body. 
We've got to get the job done if it's going to get done. He came himself and he gave his whole life for us that we might give our life back to him and fulfill his commission. And oftentimes we fail. We want to hear the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And if we're not faithful, we'll hear the opposite. Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. And so we must warn, this is really not an option. Uh, it's not an option at all. We must warn people. We must share the gospel. We must reach out. It's not just for the preacher to do. It's not just for the elders to do. It's not just for this person or that person. We must all be involved. The main text of my lesson really is from Ezekiel. Ezekiel, out of the 13 places in the Bible where the word warn is or warning, nine of them are found in Ezekiel. For example, Ezekiel chapter 3 and then Ezekiel chapter 33. Ezekiel chapter 3. Notice verse 17. What it says, Son of man, I have made thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore hear the word at my mouth. Give them warning from me. When I say to the wicked, Thou shalt surely die, thou givest him not warning, nor speakest to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life. The same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thine hand. Thine hand. Yet if thou warn the wicked, and he turn not from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. We're concerned about our souls, aren't we? Again, when a righteous man doth turn from his righteousness and commit iniquity, and I lay a stumbling block before him, he shall die, because thou hast not given him warning, he shall die in his sin. And his righteousness which he hath done shall not be remembered, but his blood will I require at thine hand. Nevertheless, if thou warn the righteous man that the righteous sin not, and he doth not sin, he shall surely live, because he's warned. Also thou hast delivered thy soul. And so both those outside the church need to be warned especially, and those within the church often need to be warned as well. And we have to do it. We have to do it. You could go to Ezekiel 33, and we won't take the time to do that. Read verses 2 through about 9 and verse 10. But Ezekiel was a watchman, and we are watchmen today. Well, that's why we have it in the Bible. You know what a watchman does. He stands up on the tower, and he watches for the enemy. And he warns the people the enemy's coming. What if he doesn't do it? What if he goes to sleep? Then their blood, you know, he, he's responsible. Their blood's on his head. But if he lets them know, it's up to them to get away from the danger. And so we all are watchmen and to be warning. And not just about, we can start with heaven, but we've got to talk about hell sometimes. We need to talk about, you know, the goodness and the severity of God, right? Love and justice met at the cross, didn't it? 
God is perfect in love, but he's also perfect in justice. And that means there's got to be a hell as well as heaven. I talked this morning about that and how we have a lot of wicked people that are very violent, and it's been like that through history. There needs to be a hell for those folks. They deserve that, and we deserve it too if we stay away from the Lord after all he's done for us. If we don't take advantage of his blood, but we must warn. And in my little track, dear friend number three, I've got the different things we're to warn them about. One is that sin condemns us and separates us from God. And the verses to go along with it. And the blood of Jesus is the power that can remove our sins. And the verses to go with that. And we must believe. And of course, and we must repent. And we must confess. And the verses with that. And we must be immersed. And then we must be faithful to the Lord's church. And then we must warn others. Warn others. We've got to do it. Or we'll be held responsible. And we forget that. And how do you do it? Do you just put a sign out front? No. We've got to talk to people from day to day. And one of the easiest ways is a track, but you can do it in other ways. But we've got to do it. My time's about up, I guess. Let me tell you this story. And uh, my little part's done. When I was in, at Marshall Bible School, a Christian school, I was in high school at the time, of maybe junior high. And the elementary school was close to the bus garage, and the bus garage was being broken into, and the, the tools were being stolen. And so my neighbor, his father was a principal. My father was a teacher there at the school, Marshall Bible School, and so my friend and I volunteered to be watchmen. We would stay in the uh, elementary library. We would look out the window, and if we saw someone breaking into the bus garage, we would call the police. They'd be caught wet, red-handed. Well, we decided, my friend and I, would take turns. You know, we started getting a little sleepy and that kind of thing. The excitement got, you know, we got over that excitement. He took the first shift and I went to sleep. And then he said that he woke me up and gave the shift to me. But you know what happened? We both went to sleep, we were asleep, and the thieves came. Sure enough, they came. We woke up the next morning. The windows were broken. They'd already come and gone. We failed. If it was a volunteer job, if it wasn't volunteer, we'd been fired. On the spot. We failed to do what we were supposed to do. We were watchmen and we failed. We went to sleep. Well, brethren and friends, it's not a funny thing on the last day it won't be funny when we've gone to sleep and the Lord says depart from me you cursed into everlasting fire we've got to warn find a way to do it 
The way I've suggested is fine, but you may have a different way, and that's great. But we've got to be watchmen. We're commanded to be that way. And it's so important. We've got the gospel. We can't keep it to ourselves. Thank you again for inviting us to come. Well, I echo the sentiments that have been shared uh, by the brothers who have spoken so far. I appreciate uh, Brother Albert so very much and the Sand Hill congregation. And I very much appreciate Brother Perry as well and, uh, and the Jefferson Pike congregation. And guess what? I appreciate me and the Laverne congregation too. <laughs> but I'm thankful for uh, your fellowship. I'm thankful for this opportunity for us to be together here today and celebrate the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. And so uh, having the advantage of home turf, uh, I have a few slides that I put together uh, that I'll share with you. I don't have them on the back wall, which I was counting on, and therefore I'm going to have to turn around once or two to read a thing. Uh, but nevertheless, you'll be able to see them on the screen. Uh, here in the Laverne Congregation, we have begun our last series of the year. And our last series of the year uh, this year is about Ephesians 4, 4 through 6. And that timing is not an accident. Uh, and what we're doing together today is definitely an extension of what we're going to be focusing on and learning here at Laverne over the course of the Sundays in November and December. We started this morning talking about the fact that in Christ there is only one body. And we are all a part of that body. And I appreciate what has been said so far. And also appreciate brothers getting that on the back screen. There, I can see it now. And so uh, the passage that we focused on, which I'm going to focus on also with us together here, is Ephesians 4, 4 through 6. The Bible says, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and in all and through all. This is Ephesians 4, 4 through 6. It teaches us the true nature of our Lord's church. And I want us to understand today that we have a shared heritage together. I mean this even in the human sense. Our churches come from the American Restoration Movement. You might say, no, 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 our, our church dates to A.D. 30 or 33, whenever you figure Pentecost was. Oh, that's true. That's true. But our particular historical fellowship in striving to restore that church uh, that was established on the first Pentecost after Jesus' ascension into heaven, as we read about in Acts chapter 2, uh, comes from the work of, that has deep roots in the centuries of folks coming out of the years of the domination of the tyranny of Roman Catholicism, as well as from the division and confusion of the Protestant Reformation. The true church is not Roman Catholic, though it is Catholic, that is universal, what's that, what that word means. I'm going to throw this in there for free. I tell people all the time when I'm talking to them in conversation, they'll be like, oh, I'm Catholic. I say, oh, me too. I'm just not Roman Catholic. And, uh, of course, that usually makes them a little bit confused because they've heard the word Catholic and they think that, you know, is the church that the Pope is head over and that's all there is is Catholic. The word Catholic predates Roman Catholicism. It just means universal. So Laverne Church of Christ and Sand Hill Church of Christ and Jefferson Pike Church of Christ, we're Catholics. We're true Catholics. We are the universal Church of our Lord that meets here in the city of Laverne. So I don't, I don't intend to give up ground on good biblical words and give them away to somebody else. They, they don't get to have them if they're not preaching the truth, and this is my conviction on the subject. 
All right? And so uh, uh, the American Restoration Movement, you've got folks like Thomas Campbell, his son Alexander Campbell, Barton W. Stone, uh, men who decided they didn't want to be Roman Catholic, they didn't want to be Protestant, they just wanted to be Christians and Christians only and just preach the faith that we can read about on the pages of the New Testament. We share that heritage, brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and it's not just a white thing, it's a black thing. They're great historical preachers uh, that the, the black community in America has, uh, has raised up. Brothers G.P. Bowser, R.N. Hogan, of course, everybody knows Marshall Keeble. There probably will not be a soul in heaven other than the Apostle Paul himself who baptized more people. And that's just a fact. And so we, we also share that common heritage. Uh, these brothers are my brothers as much as they're anybody's brothers. And I don't care what color your skin is. They're my brothers. And they're your brothers too. We have this same heritage that we share as far as our human roots are concerned. Hey, it's not just the brothers, but the sisters as well. Charlotte Fanning, a pioneer in educating uh, women uh, who uh, later opened up uh, uh, a uh, home for orphans, especially orphan girls. Sarah Andrews, pioneering missionary to Japan. Without her work, the church might not exist in the nation of Japan. Uh, let's not think that the brothers are the only ones that can do work for the Lord. Emma Larimore, the wife of uh, Brother T.B. Larimore, who also was a pioneer in education and uh, raising up people in uh, the, the discipline and instruction of our Lord as was appropriate. None of these ladies violated the bounds. That, Christian, uh, that the Bible gives as far as men and women's work in the church. And so we have a shared heritage so far as our history is concerned in the churches of Christ. But more important than our shared heritage as far as the men and women who have gone before us, we have a shared Lord and Savior. And that's the most important thing of all. Galatians 3, beginning in verse 26, we read these words from the Apostle Paul. He says, In Christ Jesus you are all sons of God. That includes daughters included in that statement. You're all the sons and daughters of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male or female. For you're all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. Abraham is my father. Abraham is your father. And Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. Jesus is our brother. God is our father. You know, there's a sense, and this is one of the things that Marshall Keeble would regularly preach and he, in his dealings with people in the world that he was trying to bring to Christ, folks that were involved in churches that had been misguided with regard to the truth, he would call them all brother or sister as he interacted with them. And some of the brethren uh, criticized him for that. And he used to say, if I can't get him in Jesus, I'll get him in Adam. And uh, what he was trying to do was build a connection build bridges between people. We're the priesthood of all believers, 1 Peter 2, 5 and 9. Every baptized believer is an ordained priest in the temple of, of the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. The church is that temple. We don't all have the same roles. There are boundaries which we must uh, absolutely respect. But every baptized believer is called to priestly ministry, and there's nobody who's not. Like Brother Albert said, the church ought to have 100% of the work being done by 100% of the people. Uh, I'm grateful that Laverne, we have far more than the common percentage of members that are involved in work, and I trust and hope the same thing is true for, for the two fellow churches here in the city of Laverne, and that's good. But until 100% of the members are involved with fulfilling their priestly work, then the work of the church leaders has not yet been accomplished. 
And we have to continue moving upward and onward until every single baptized believer has been educated and has been encouraged and has been equipped to be involved in ministry in the community, striving to bring the lost to Jesus. Because while I absolutely agree with what Marshall Keeble said, and I call people brother all the time that I ain't never met in my life, and I don't know what they believe about Jesus or don't, but there is a distinction between the true family of God and those who are children, sons of disobedience. And those who have not obeyed the gospel are not truly our family until they come to Jesus through the gospel plan of salvation. We in this room are, in fact, family in Christ. And boy, we ought to want our family to grow. We sure ought to want it to grow. We have a shared mission. And uh, the brothers have already talked about this mission this morning. And I appreciate you both. Uh, but I'm going to look at it uh, two passages. Of course, we know the Great Commission, right? Mark 16, 15 and 16, Him we proclaim. What do we proclaim? What we proclaim. Yeah, that's true. But it's really a who that we proclaim. We proclaim Jesus, the Lord, the Savior, the, the God who became man, Emmanuel, God with us. The one who came and gave His life to save everyone who is willing to be saved. We preached Him, the Lord, who was killed and, and buried and raised from the dead on the third day. There's only one empty tomb in the world. Now, you can go dig up all the graves and scatter their bones wherever or burn them and incinerate them to dust, and you can say those tombs are empty, but they're not. If the dead are still dead, it doesn't matter what's physically in the tomb. Jesus' tomb is not only physically empty because the bones were removed, the bones got up and walked again with flesh on them. That's what it means, that the tomb is empty. And nobody has ever done that except our Lord Jesus. Nobody ever. We proclaim Him. Proclaiming the gospel is proclaiming Him. It's proclaiming a person. It's proclaiming God become man. It's proclaiming our friend, our brother, our Savior, our Lord, our King, the one true King of the whole universe. We're proclaiming an individual, a God who became flesh to show His love for people. We've got to proclaim the love of God because our God loves us and our God loves our neighbors. And guess what? Our God loves our enemies too. Jesus didn't die for a single friend. He died for a world full of foes. Let me repeat that. Jesus didn't die for a single friend. He died for a world full of enemies. Because we all were locked in sin as rebels and enemies of God until Jesus made the way for us to become friends with him again. He died for his enemies, brothers and sisters. And there ain't no greater love than that that has ever been shown. But it's not just that we want to proclaim him, the, the basic gospel and plan of salvation. That's part of it. But just getting people baptized is not the end of the story. And I appreciate Brother Perry talking about warning. Uh, this passage, well, I'm not there yet. I'm getting a little ahead of myself. Uh, but uh, let me go back. There we go. Uh, that's the wrong passage. Mark 16, 15, 16, I read. But now this is from Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, the apostle Paul says, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. You see, the, the aim is not just to convince somebody that they need to get baptized. That's a part of it. That's a mistake that I think our brotherhood has sometimes made. That we just need to study with somebody, get them to the point of getting them in the water, get them baptized, and then great, all is going to be well. 
I became very discouraged. I'm a little bit over my time. Y'all bear with me. Uh, I became discouraged a number of years ago because uh, in my personal evangelism work, I baptized a, a lot of people. I, I've baptized a lot of people. And unfortunately, I've watched easily 75% of them fail to keep the faith. And that hurts, man. It really hurts. The Bible tells us that the latter state is worse than the first when someone comes to Christ and then falls away back into the world. It really discouraged me for a number of years, and I had to really assess what I was doing until I found out that my purpose is not just to get somebody scared into the water. My purpose is to show the love of Jesus Christ and to do what Jesus did. Jesus made disciples by sticking with them for three and a half years and pouring everything he had into them in order to shape them into people who would endure. And brothers and sisters, that's what we got to do. Start with whatever you can. Start with tracks. Start with conversations, home Bible studies. Do whatever you got to do. Get people into church. Invite them. Invite them when we're having a meal together. That's always a temptation to get people in the doors. But brothers and sisters, our work is to present everyone mature in Christ. We want to raise up people who know the Lord deeply and who love him absolutely without compromise. And so much so that they will lay down their lives. Lay down their lives in service to him. I'd love to preach on that a lot more because i got a whole lot more to say. But I just want to conclude with this thought from Psalm 133. It is the whole of Psalm 133. Behold how good. Behold how good and pleasant. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron. Think about it. Man, what a beautiful song. It is like the precious oil, that anointing oil on the head, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. Think about those beautiful high priestly robes and the anointing oil. When Aaron's head was anointed as high priest of Jehovah God. And God was watching. The Spirit was watching as the oil dripped down on his beard and dripped down on the collar of his robes. And the Lord saw that that was beautiful. It was him that inspired the psalmist to write these words. Not with the psalmist's memory. Aaron was long gone by the time this psalm was written with the memory of the Holy Spirit of God. It is like the dew of Hermon which falls in the morning on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Brothers and sisters, we have a very special relationship unlike any other that exists. The fact of the matter is that we have a short time on this earth. Maybe, maybe we'll all get three score and ten or by reason of three, three four score, but some of us won't. Some of us won't. Some of us will make, make up for it and make the average by getting 90 or 100, uh, whether they deserve it or not. <laughs> but brothers and sisters, we have just a short time here in this life. We ought to get to know each other just as well as we possibly can. I love you, brothers. I love you, sisters. I really do with all my heart. God is my witness, and he knows it's true. And I hope that you feel the same way. But I tell you what, 
whatever we achieve in this life or don't, we need to give God the glory and thank him for working through us. But there is going to come a day. I don't know how long it will take in glory. I don't know. But there's going to come a day when everybody in this room, you keep the faith. That's what you got to do. There's going to come a day when everybody in this room will know each other as intimately as we presently know ourselves. Mm. Mm. I love you, brothers. I love you, sisters. Let's love each other. We're destined for eternity together, for glory together. You know what? I want to know you all intimately. I want to know you. I want to know your loves. I, w- I want to know your struggles. I want to know everything about you so that I can be as much a part of, of your life and fellowship with you as I possibly can. And I want to just try to be as transparent as I can possibly be. I want to be able to feel safe with my brothers and sisters in Christ, to know that I can show you who I am, that I can share with you who I am on the inside. Isn't that beautiful? That's what the church is called to be. And I'm going to tell you this, brothers and sisters, when we begin to continue to move in that direction, that that is going to be an irresistible draw to everybody who wants something better, something more meaningful in this community. They're going to see it. Jesus already said it, John 13, 35. By this, will all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one for another. Uh, Most of us here are baptized believers. If you're not, and you know you're old enough to give an account for your own actions, your thoughts, your words, your deeds, and you need to obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're going to sing an invitation song in just a moment. The water's ready. The water's warm. If you haven't yet obeyed the gospel, this is a perfect opportunity to do it. Have your sins washed away, you'll be added to this body, this family. Uh, Acts 2, verse 47. And, well, I think most of us, except some of our children, but I I think most of us here are baptized believers, but that doesn't mean that the devil hasn't been winning the battle against you recently in your life. And if he has, look, you're here at the right place. You know, we're ready to offer prayers to heaven on your behalf that you could be strengthened to overcome whatever temptations the devil's been throwing in your way. If you're struggling with something in life and you, you want your family to put their arms around you and to encourage you, we'll pray for We'll be happy to. This morning, this afternoon, if you're subject to the invitation, come as we stand and sing. Thank you for listening to this message from God's Word. If you have any questions, please email them to us at office at lavernecoc.org. Once again, we thank you for listening and we hope you have a blessed day.